We're going to continue our study in the book of Daniel. So if we can open up to Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 30. And when you are there, if you can please rise for the reading of God's word. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with the flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious, and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought out Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and, now, and, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed, to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? 
Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this, and he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. This is the word of God. Father God, we ask that today you would help us to see in Jesus the mystery revealed, that you would give to us wisdom as we have gathered here to worship you and to learn how to live in between these two worlds. We thank you and we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Last week, we began our new series in the book of Daniel titled Between Two Worlds. We saw that how Daniel and his friends are exiles living now in Babylon. They are in between these two worlds, so to speak, as they are in service to Nebuchadnezzar in his courtroom, yet at the same time striving to live faithfully to the God that they believe in. We saw how this story, the story of Daniel, parallels with our experience as Christians who are trying to live also faithfully onto God as we also find ourselves in service to the various things around us, like jobs, schoolings, and perhaps even country. Our question last week was if Christians can live faithfully in between these two realities, if indeed we can sing the Lord's song through it all. We concluded that God is sovereign over the events of history as well as the events in our own individual and personal lives. And because that is true, we can live faithfully and we can sing of God's faithfulness. Today we find ourselves in part one of chapter two. We're going to split chapter two up into two parts. Today we're just going to focus on the first part here. We're told that it's the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Daniel, he spent some time in Babylon, but the first thing that grabs our immediate attention is that Nebuchadnezzar had a vivid and terrible dream. It troubled him so deeply that he was not able to sleep. We're told that his sleep left him. Have you ever had a dream like that or an experience? Dark and vivid, yet elusive and mysterious. Waking up sweaty and panicked, confused and scared. Perhaps you're not sure what any of that meant. Or if it should be, or if it it should have any meaning at all. Perhaps it's just some bad food you ate, or the one week old Chinese food you knew you should have thrown out. Guilty. Have you ever found yourself pondering a great mystery in your life? perhaps an event or some experience, and you're just not sure what to make of it. What do we often do in these times of perturbed, perplexed anxieties? We think, we seek, we Google, we get consumed, and we want to find some kind of answer and resolve so that we can just rest. Have you ever experienced something like that? 
Have you ever thought about the mysteries of life and death and what it all means? Nebuchadnezzar was experiencing an existential crisis of mystery and meaning. And can you relate? The main focus, the main point today is that we will see how wisdom comes from God as we live in between two worlds. And we're just going to look at two simple points, the mystery and the wisdom. First, the mystery. It's often believed when kings had dreams that it was some kind of revelation about that nation's future. So Nebuchadnezzar having this vivid and dark, panicked dream is anxious to find out what it all means. He calls and he summons, we're told, his magicians, his enchanters, his sorcerers, his Chaldeans. These were all experts in the field of seeking out and figuring out what lies ahead. Now, we might scoff at the ideas of sorcerers and magicians and enchanters and Chaldeans, but at this time, these were the PhDs of knowledge, of foresight, of wisdom. And so King Nebuchadnezzar calls all of these men to himself, and he demands that he not only interprets his dream, but tells him what his dreams are. Let's replay the scene here. If you look up, Daniel 2, beginning in verse 4. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. And the king answered the Chaldeans. This is what he said. He said, the word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn from limb to limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruin. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. There's a lot at stake here. And in desperation, all the wise men that have been gathered here plead with the king once more. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answers them again and says, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. There's a classic scene here, no doubt providing probably much of Shakespeare's inspiration to his works. We see a mad king here who's haunted by nightmares, who demands the impossible of his servants as they find themselves 
desperately trying to cling on to their life and do what the king asks, but not sure how to do it. Normally, we would find that these magicians, these Chaldeans, would probably have gotten together and conspired and say, hey, guys, listen, whoo, this king is crazy. He lost his mind. Let's just tell him something believable. Let's kill off anyone who would contradict it. We'll bury and hide all the evidence, and let's just move on. This is impossible. No one can do this. Sound good? Yeah, sounds like a plan. All right, all right, bring it in. Chaldeans on three. One, two, three. Chaldeans. Oh, king, your dream. They couldn't even do that. To, to, to some degree, the king in his madness positioned the proposition in such a way that it would have been impossible for these experts to even fib or make up an interpretation because they didn't know the dream to begin with. So now we see ourselves in this tension. Is there a wise man? Is there a man in Babylon who can do such a thing? Is there a God in heaven who can reveal such deep and dark mysteries? They say there is no wise man. In some ways they say basically there is no God man even that exists who can do this. And so the king doesn't like this. He's upset. He says, I know all of you guys are just schemers. You're frauds. You don't know anything. You, you, you proclaim experts of your fields, those who think who know the future, those, those of you who think are, are, are wise. You can't even tell me this. And so he sends out a decree, true to his word. He basically says, round up all the wise men of Babylon for destruction. We're told that even Daniel and his friends are included in this lot, that they too are being pursued to be rounded up. When the captain of the king's guard gets to Daniel, we're told that Daniel replies with prudence and discretion, asking why this decree from the king is so urgent. The captain explains the whole situation again to him. Well, at least for the first time. We don't have to hear it again, but he explains the whole situation And after listening to this, Daniel does something really bold again. He requests an audience with King Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, set a time for me to meet with you. I will tell you your dream, and I will tell you its interpretation. Much like last week, we see Daniel act in boldness. As he he truly trusts in God, as he is fully secure that God will reveal his glory through these situations using Nebuchadnezzar even as a servant once more. Right? What is Nebuchadnezzar here? He's King Nebuchadnezzar, but at the same time in the store, he's a helpless man who received a dream, doesn't know what to make of it, and we're about to see what it all means, not just for Babylon, but in light of God's glory. And so they answered in Aramaic, and all the things that are being said are recorded, and in not Hebrew, but the language of the world, so that all may see what this dream means in light of God's glory in the context of not just God's people, but the whole world. Just like he did in chapter 1 to the chief of the eunuchs, as he said, hey, just test us for 10 days. Give us vegetable and water and not the decadence from the king's table, and you will see that we will be presented in better shape than those who are eating from the king's table. And that happened. And today we see the same thing. Daniel in boldness says, appoint a time for me 
and I will make known to the king his dream and his interpretation. Now, we take it so simply. For us, we're like, yeah, come on, come on, move on, move on, move on. Get to the story. What's the punchline? But I, I want us to just appreciate that all the experts in the field, that no one the king could call upon, could give an answer. Not even Daniel in this moment, not even Daniel right now, who we probably think is the hero of the story, and he is in part, can give an explanation. Up to this point, no one, including Daniel or Nebuchadnezzar, knows what this profound and dark and vivid yet elusive mystery is about. Daniel sets a time. The captain of the king's guard seems to agree and say, okay. And then Daniel, as we move into our second point, receives wisdom and revelation. Up to this point, Daniel doesn't know anything either. And so what does he do? He goes to his friends and he says, guys, this is what's happening. If God doesn't reveal to us what Nebuchadnezzar's dream was and what it means, we're all going to die. Right? What, do you, what, what would you do if you're in that situation? All right, this guy is crazy, man. Let's just tell him something believable. We'll kill off anyone who contradicts us. We'll hide and bury all the evidence, and we'll move on with it, man. No, 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 no. He wants us to tell us the dream and the interpretation. Daniel and his friends don't collude. They don't conspire. They simply, but with all humility and helplessness, go, okay, let's pray. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray and ask the God of heaven to reveal to us what the dream is and what its interpretation is so that we would live and that none of the wise men of Babylon would die. Verse 19 tells us that this mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Now, I do apologize. I'm sorry, not sorry. We're going to bookmark it right there in the story. We're going to have to leave on a cliffhanger because next week we'll find out what the dream is and what it means. But, but this is the point today. The point is that God is the one who reveals mystery. God is the one who gives us wisdom. This is what Daniel says. After receiving in a vision what the dream was and interpreted, this is what he says. Look up with me in, in chapter 2, verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. Wisdom and might, wisdom and power belong to God. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. Why? For you have given me wisdom and might. You were the God of wisdom and might, and now you have given unto me wisdom and might, and have made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. None of the experts of the time could uncover the mystery of what the king's dream was, but Daniel simply with his friends in prayer received not just in a vision after, after being intoxicated by some fumes, not as they bow down to worship, not as they trust in wealth or bribery or schemes of man, but simply by prayer. Why? 
Because going, them going to prayer is not the same way that the enchanters and the Chaldeans went to their gods and their beliefs and their practices. When Daniel and his friends went in prayer to God, they went to the God of heaven. Friends, let me ask us, when we pray, what do we have in mind in our prayer? We're just going to some uh, ethereal being who listens maybe and he'll answer us if we're lucky. When we go to God in prayer, is it just a wishful thinking? Or when we go to God in prayer, is it this God to, to whom wisdom and might belong? The God who has the power to change times and seasons, to raise up kings and kingdoms and topple them as he wishes. The God who reveals deep and hidden things. The God who knows what's in the darkness. The God who has light dwelling in him. The God who is also able and willing to give wisdom and might to those who seek and ask him. I think this says something about the way and the posture we pray. I think it helps us to see to whom we are actually praying. You see, the Chaldeans and all these other experts of the time, they worshiped, they studied, and they gave, and they sacrificed to get some kind of revelation. But at the end of the day, just as the Isaiah says, that these were just statues. They were images. They had eyes, but they could not see. They had ears, but they could not hear. They were dead weight. There was no life. Yet, in contrast, we see the God that Daniel and his friends pray to is a God that is alive, is a God who sees, is a God who hears, God who knows. God who remembers, God who creates, sustains, God who leads us, provides for us, loves us, answers us. He is truly God. The main question today is not what is the dream and what, it, what, it, what does it mean, but rather the main question in our text today is where does true revelation and wisdom come from? In the face of life's grand mystery. That's the question we're going to focus on today. Where does, where does true revelation and wisdom come from when we're faced with life's grand mystery? Our great mystery, our great existential quandary may not be some kind of mysterious dream of a king who threatens our lives, but, but it is a mystery of the future, isn't it? What will happen to our life, our legacy? All that we have worked for when that day comes. What will happen when that day comes like a thief in the night and we are no more, we die? What happens in that great mystery? Do we just simply stop existing? Do we simply live on through the memory of those who love us? Do we end up somewhere in an ethereal plane, looking down somewhat helplessly at our loved ones, shouting, no, don't do that, or trying to guide them? Do we turn into a star so that we may shine for those who are lost? Are we reincarnated as another being or a creature so that we can have a second chance to live a more meaningful life as we did before? What happens in life's grand mystery? And if you have an answer to that, how do you know that that is true? What revelation, what wisdom, where, by whom, by what means did you acquire this? And to be fair, we'll have to ask this of us. 
of the Christians. What is the Christian's answer to life's grand mystery of life and death? The moral of the story here in Daniel is pretty simple. And if we take it at face value, we can say something like this. Here's the moral of the story. Be bold like Daniel and pray to God for wisdom and he will save your life. There's truth in that. But on this side of the cross for you and I, in light of what God has done through Jesus, that's not the complete truth and hope we have. The good news of the gospel takes that simple moral, the simple morals of the story, and takes us deeper still. He calls us deeper and deeper. You see, the story of Daniel is a testimony to Jesus Christ. And in the testimony of Jesus Christ, there is the wisdom that leads to life, eternal life. It doesn't just save us, it saves us from that grand mystery of life and that question of what happens when all this is done. The, the Chaldeans said there is no wise man that can answer this. There is no God-man that exists. What they're saying is this. What they're saying is simply echoing much of what you and I hear today out there or from other religions, for other philosophies, which is this, no one really knows. No one really knows, and there is no God, or there's maybe a God, but no one really knows what the mystery is. So you believe what you want, I'll believe what I want, and at the end of it all, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see, I don't know, no one really knows. Who knows? But what's interesting is here, even in this text, Daniel and his friends, as they simply go to God in prayer, God reveals the king's dream and its interpretation to Daniel. It was that simple. Faith in God led to prayerful wisdom, then life and not destruction. And this is the blueprint that leads us to salvation in Jesus, isn't it? The point of the text is that God revealed a great mystery to his servant Daniel, so that through this wisdom, they would be led to life and not destruction. For you and I, for you and I, on this side of the cross, knowing what God has done through Jesus, we know that God has revealed a great mystery through his servant Jesus, so that he, being the wisdom of God, would lead us to life and not destruction. So then if we are to follow this simple blueprint as we learn in Daniel, it's to have faith in God, specifically through Jesus Christ, for the work of salvation he has done. Pray for wisdom as we navigate the grays and the complexities and the great mysteries of this world. And be comforted to know that for us, when that day comes, like a thief in the night, we will not be destroyed, but we will have life. If we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it echoes in many ways what Daniel says about God in light of his wisdom and his life. This is what it says. Look up with me. For the word of the cross of Jesus Christ, for the word of the cross is folly, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. Meaning for those who don't believe, talking about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins so that if we believe in him, our sins will be forgiven and we would have eternal life, sounds stupid. 
to those who are dying, to those who do not believe, it's just foolishness. But to those who are being saved, for those who are hopeful, for those who look to Jesus, it is the power of God. Why? Because this is what is written. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. This is God. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of the age? Where are your experts? Where are your Chaldeans, your sorcerers, your scientists, your PhD experts, your philosophers? Where are your most wise men? What answers have they given to you? Has not, has God, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demanded signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, to put it in the words of Daniel, the might of God and the wisdom of God, For the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So then let's just, let's, 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 let's boil it down. How does Jesus then answer life's great and grand mystery? Well, we see that Jesus Christ is the true and better wise man. He's not a wise man of Babylon. In fact, he is even far greater and better than Daniel. He is the wise man of heaven. He is what we're told here in Corinthians, the wisdom of God. He is not an a God who came to dwell in flesh like the Chaldeans said That doesn't exist. But he is the God incarnated, the God-man. And he leads his people to righteousness from their sins and sanctification and redemption. What we're told here is that Jesus is the one who in many ways has experienced the dark, vivid mysteries of death so that we may find rest in him. Jesus is the one who has sacrificed himself on the cross for our shortcomings, for our even unknowns, for our sins, so that we would not be destroyed, but simply walk through the shadow of death that leads to eternal life. Jesus is the wisdom of God. The person of Jesus is the wisdom of God. And he leads us in this world as we live in between the grays, as we live in between the difficult decisions and how to live faithfully as a Christian, yet live in this world. He leads us in the life's great mystery of what lies behind. Waking or sleeping, all we have to do is simply trust in Jesus, the wisdom of God was revealed to us out of darkness no longer a mystery so then what happens at the end if we believe that Jesus paid for our sins and welcomes us in the Bible tells us that we come face to face with Jesus who loves us and gave himself for us we see him face to face 
No, we don't just end up in heavy as a chubby cute baby shooting arrows making people fall in love. No, we don't simply go into oblivion where our consciousness is wiped out. No, we're, we don't just live throughout in the hearts of those who love us. We're not just some kind of memory that's kept alive, dependent on people's memory. For those who believe in Jesus, come to see Jesus face to face. And we're told in Revelation that Jesus wipes away every tear. He reassures us that there will be no more pain and no more death. And he doesn't do this in a, in, a, in a vision or a dream. It's not pretend, guys. He doesn't do this in a vision or a dream, wipes away our tears, like it's some kind of um, um, experience that isn't a reality. No, he does this literally as we see him face to face. And when Jesus returns, we're told that we'll be resurrected and restored, but not like before. We'll be sinless, made perfect. Heaven will come down and all that is broken by sin will be restored. Everything will be renewed and everyone who believes in him will be redeemed. Of course, we don't know all the details, but there's enough here in the Bible that teaches us that if we believe in Jesus as the one who has died for our sins, who has given us a new life, as we believe in him, as we trust in him in the face of life's grand mystery, that the answers that God provides for us here, the answers that God reveals to us here in Jesus Christ is far greater than any wisdom or might this world can give. We don't believe that this is a truth. We believe this is the truth to life's grand mystery. Brothers and sisters, let us not perish with the wise men of Babylon, with the wise men of this world. Friends, if you hear the good news today of Jesus, I know it might not all make sense to you, but as it's presented simply that, that God came down to dwell with his people through Jesus, as Jesus. And if you trust in him, the great mystery of what happens in life is answered and secured for you. Then will you trust in him today? And then you can come to the Bible studies and the community groups and have the one-on-one conversations to try to make sense other things. But if today, if you believe, come to him. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence, my light. Join with me in prayer.